Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi, Nicole. How are you today? I'm doing good, Alex. How are you? I'm doing good. I am very excited to chat with you and learn more about you and just share this really awesome digital space that so many of us are sharing right now. But before we get started, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. Absolutely. I'm honored to share your space with you and your community. So thank you. So who am I? On Instagram, some listeners might know me as the holistic psychologist. That really does embody, I think, who I am as a a human now and as a practitioner. So I am someone who, via my own, the language I think a lot of us are now using collectively together, my own dark night of the soul, undergoing my own healing journey, really inspiring what was once my my clinical practice, you know, in standard talk therapy, to really embody and embrace some new tools for healing. So now my inspiration is really spreading tools, spreading awarenesses, and really helping the collective begin to harness transformation and change in a new way. Mm, I love that. So let's start where you first got into being a practitioner and why did you choose the career path that you ended up in? Absolutely. So I'm one of those people, as long as I can remember slash, you know, whatever the age is when we start to get asked a little more seriously about what you want to be when you grow up, it was always intuitive for me. I loved people. I was really fascinated in particular with the mind. What made people different? Why, you know, I would see friends behaving, thinking, believing differently than I. And that was, I thinking back, Alex, I don't remember a time where reading, you know, young adult novels, I would always gravitate toward the psychological ones. Mm. So long story short, short, I think for me, it was just that inner knowing as long as I can remember and then entering undergrad as a declared psychology major and obviously continuing that training through receiving my PhD and opening the private practice, which is what I was really interested in having. As long as I can remember that, I think was the journey. I think it was a lot. Now I understand my conditioning, my past. Mm. Um, I think a lot of patterns in my immediate family unit really set me up to be, I think, a uh, archetype that a lot of resonate with but the helper right the person who people go to I was that in my family so I think you know there was some personal conditioning conditioned patterns that really led me into that that path of being the psychologist when I was older quote unquote <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting I want to talk about conditioning a little more and I because I think a lot of folks who are going to be listening to this are going to be like man my parents want me to do x y and z or it's expected of me to show up in the world in this way because of I don't know an array of things like culture or, you know, perhaps parents are immigrants and they have this big American dream for their children. So let's talk a little bit about conditioning and how you started to see, you know, as an individual human and now, you know, as this professional in the mental health field, what that looked like for you in your own process and how you support people in unlearning these conditions that are placed on us. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to kind of start at the more recent and then go back really quickly because in my private practice, this is what really informed my own healing journey and now the work that I do. Because what I would start to see in my own human existence outside of my practice, Mm -hmm. and then of course, you know, in all of the clients that at that point I was accumulating, you know, years worth of work together with, what I started to see is the word, and this is a word that they would actually and myself have used innumerable times in the past. And that word is stuck. And I would witness it. 
And what I mean by that is I would have the most incredibly insightful sessions with my clients, right? We would come to all of these new awarenesses, maybe really understand. Some of us really came to understand where our conditions, say our patterns come from, you know, our stuck points come from. But what I started to realize was how incredibly hard it was to change Mm. for myself as well, right? I would have these moments of insight. Oh, okay. I can see why I do this thing that's maybe not working out for me anymore. I'm really simplifying this, of course, right? Of course, yeah. And maybe, right, so then Alex, maybe I would even know a new path forward. Okay, so the next time this thing happens, I'm going to do B instead, right? And what I would start to find in myself and my clients week after week is B was goddamn hard to do. <laughs> For whatever reason, right? Yeah. We never got to B. Yeah. We just kept doing A, you know what I mean? So, And this was me too. And what I started to realize, not only were we stuck in terms of we weren't creating a new future, we were just replicating our past. A lot of us, and I'll just speak for my own personal existence, maybe we'd start to feel shameful. Maybe we'd start to feel broken. Maybe mm. we'd start to wonder why, you know, why do I maybe have all these insights, awareness, maybe even tools, mm-hmm. and I can't change. I started to question that and I started to really, really wonder. So now going back in time, when we come to this planet, however you believe it is that we get here, we, I say this in a very silly way, but it's accurate. It really accurately reflects. We are learning to be human. We are born right into a complete state of dependency, meaning we cannot survive physically. We cannot survive on our own as human infants. Mm -hmm. So we have, as far as I say it, I break down our needs again, really simplifying it into just for understanding purposes into three main categories. And as far as I say it at that very early time, we have physical needs to keep our physical body living another day. We have emotional needs to learn how to navigate, right? All of the energies, all of the, you know, emotional components of this human existence. I believe we have a spiritual or kind of like a soul base, that indefinable entity to us. So why do I talk about this? In that state of dependency, we are sponges to learn how to human. How do I live? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we are in relationship because we need to be with multiple factors, multiple circles, if you will. The first of which is whomever is responsible for our care. And that looks different for each and every one of us, the caretakers, the people who keep our body in existence another day. And then obviously going out, you know, we have bigger family units, we have culture, we have religion, we have society at large, and we have all the systems, right, that kind of go outward then from us. And we are impacted by each and every one of those lived experiences. So we are young, we are dependent. And then what we learn is one way of meeting our needs. And we become very habitual. And not all the time are the things that we were modeled in childhood applicable to the unique human, right, that we are. So this a lot of times we have well-intentioned parents trying their best to impart the tools, the skills, maybe even to do an opposition to the things mm-hmm. that didn't work for them, right? But it's really, really hard to parent. We have a, a unique human in front of us who has unique physical needs, unique emotional needs, unique spiritual needs. So you get the picture. So what we then are reliving in adulthood, or so I believe it to be, are all of those conditioned ways. All of the effects, the accumulated effects of all of these environments in which we live, they become the patterns that we're repeating in adulthood. And we become stuck. We become pulled to the familiarity of those patterns. Even when we see a new path forward, it's incredibly hard because we are so geared on an evolutionary level to gravitate toward that familiar because it's right. in our mind, right? To our mind, it's safe. We know what comes next. Even if what comes next for some of us could be abusive, could be dangerous, could be threatening, mm-hmm. we know, right? And what we hate as humans is the state of not knowing. Right. So this is why a lot of us, and this also adds to the shame, right? A lot of us coped in ways with extremely difficult, outright 
quite abusive for some of us environments to the best of our ability. And then we repeat those things and we become shameful because again, we're repeating patterns that maybe on some level we know aren't serving us. And it's incredibly hard to create that new path forward. My morning routine normally consists of trying to get up a little early before the kids, getting my self-care silence in, drinking a cup of coffee or tea, and washing my face and just having a moment. There are a lot of great ways to start your day. Maybe you eat a nice healthy breakfast or meditate. But what about starting with making up your bed? Now, that doesn't really work for me because my husband is not up when I'm up. But when you make your bed in the morning, it starts a chain of daily successes. And I know this because when we are up together and we do make our beds right upon rising, I feel like the day does get off to a fresh start. What I love most about Brooklyn and Sheets is that I am more excited to walk in the room and see a freshly made bed with their beautiful sheets and offerings on them. The high quality sheets are great and at a low price. Their sheets are soft and well-made, which you can't beat. And for the price, it is wonderful quality. Brooklyn and was the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. No middlemen, just great product and service. They offer all luxury products without the luxury markup. Brooklinen also offers a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials for your lounging needs, like their classic cool and crisp, timeless with a matte finish, luxe sateen, buttery, smooth cotton sheets, or my favorite, the linen, which is airy and effortlessly chic, made with the highest quality flax in the world. Needless to say, Brooklinen sheets are the perfect place to start making your mornings great. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their bedding comes with a lifetime warranty. So get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code HeyGirl only at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Again, that's promo code HeyGirl only at brooklinen.com for 10% off your first order. So I have another question because I think this all links to community healing, right? And this collective piece of storytelling and being in these different human experiences, but also as a community coming together and deciding, okay, here's how we can heal. Here's where our attention needs to be. Here's how we can be in conversation with each other in these new ways. So I think a lot of folks too, and myself included, who may have challenging or interesting relationships with family. I know you've talked about this. There are these big steps forward where sometimes our healing looks like separating ourselves from what we know to be true about us or what we have been conditioned to believe is, you know, fact, which is, you know, you need your family. X, Y, and Z is expected of you as a human in this family unit. And how do you push forward? But how about for those of us who have decided to be different from our families, who have decided to break these generational curses 
experiences and traumas and build community elsewhere in a way that makes us feel seen and heard. How do you talk to not only yourself, but your clients and community about those really hard transitions out of what we've known for so long into this new pathway of becoming our best self without, you know, those external validations and expectations from our families in particularly? Yeah. And I think this is a quite, although it doesn't apply to everyone. Right quite a universal experience of healing where we do go through a period of evaluation of our relationships. And as we come more and more and break our conditioned patterns, coming more and more into authenticity, mm-hmm. what a lot of us find is a byproduct of that. And authenticity meaning honoring our individual, physical, emotional, spiritual needs, right? It all goes back, right? When we start to honor those authentically for us, what we do find is our relationship shift and change. We might start to show up differently or not at all. And I've lived this experience. So for those of you who aren't aware of my more personal story, coming from what what is considered or a word that listeners might have heard from an enmeshed codependent household, which means there's no separation between me and my family unit. We were all one. Actual language I heard in my family is the Leperas do X, Y, or Z as this idea that we all do or don't do the same things, believe or don't believe the same things. So a very big part of my healing meant I really had to reevaluate how I was showing up in all of my relationships, Alex, because Mm -hmm. what we do, right, those conditioned patterns that we learned in that first family unit, we then tend to repeat. So what I found is I was showing up putting others and their needs really consistently before my own. I was that helper, right? That caretaker. So when I did my self-evaluation of relationships, I realized that to begin to honor myself, I had to show up differently in relationships. And when that happens, like I said, quite universally, we might start our relationships. They might shift, they might change, and some might drift. Mm -hmm. So what that meant for me was putting boundaries, limits in terms of communication, you know, kind of emotional limits within my family. And I actually cut off contact for a period of almost two years before I'm now back in contact with them. Mm-hmm. A big inspiration for the self-healer circle that I now is the now virtual membership. A big inspiration, actually, let me go back in time for the Instagram was finding community because a lot of, I looked around and a lot of my relationships weren't filling that same space, weren't feeling as authentically supportive to me. And a lot of us go through that shedding, right? Of aspects of ourselves, of roles that we played and of relationships as we heal. So a lot of us feel loneliness. We feel grief, especially when it's in those closest relationships, some of which we've known our entire life. When you're talking, you know, age old friends, family, and a lot of feelings can come up internally for us and also externally, right? In others, in the relationships that are changing. So for me, finding, you know, those relationships that could honor my authenticity was so incredibly important as part of you. Mm -hmm. Something else that I think we need to discuss when we talk about this is how we show up in relationship, right? Right. How we learn how to relate to others. Because I say learn intentionally, Alex, we do learn. And not a lot of us know how to authentically connect with others because why we don't yet know. And I love the aspect of your work where you're always you know, teaching tools of reconnection with self, of honoring self, because as far as I see it, that's where it begins, right? We have to develop a comfort, a safety in ourselves before, right, we can fully embrace that in our relationships. And that's not to say that having a great supportive partner, friend, therapist, mentor, whomever can 
help us to create that safety. Absolutely. A lot of us as adults, I think my simple point here is a lot of us as adults feel desperately lonely because Mm. we're so disconnected. We're so disconnected from self. We're not authentic to ourselves, And therefore, by extension, we're not being authentic into our relationship. So healing, right, is the inner work that then translates to the outer. Something I've been saying a lot these days, too, is that like it starts at home, meaning at home in my body. How am I coming back home to myself? How am I coming back to my body in a way that feels aligned and authentic with the work that I've been doing for all these years? You know, it is very challenging. I know for me, it was very challenging to be in relationship with folks at a time because I wasn't in a relationship with myself. I had literally no idea how to move through being in my body. Right. So it's like my healing really started when Mm -hmm. I had that realization. And when I had that realization and I cut off a lot of the codependent relationships that I was involved in, everything became clear. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything became crystal clear. Not to say it was easy. It was hard as hell (laughs) and it was not fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I went two years with no friends, with a shift in my relationship Mm -hmm. with my family. And it was very challenging. And I needed that to get to where I am today. And I know some folks really hate when I say that or when they hear folks Mm -hmm. say, you know, you have to be lonely. Sometimes in order to get back home to yourself and know that may not be true for everyone, but for a lot of us, that is where we find our true self in our solitude, in our moments of pause without these external factors flooding into our, I wouldn't even say flooding, distracting us from coming home to ourselves. So I completely relate to that um, on so many levels. Well, I think to go a step further, that distraction that you so beautifully just kind of verbalized, Alex, is part of why we don't. Because I could go as far to say is I've been lonely for as long as I can remember. I got very good at populating my time, mm-hmm. at appearing busy, right? Mm-hmm. At always having the weekend plans in avoidance of what it would be like for me emotionally and what feelings would come up. And I wouldn't even be able to define them if I go back 10 years and that weekend, right, where I didn't have plans, which I desperately try to avoid not doing. I hated time alone. I wouldn't even be able to say, oh, I'm feeling sad when I'm just laying on my couch today. I would just have some underlying agitation mm. that was so uncomfortable. Before I know it, I was making plans or taking my, you know, I was trying to fill my time to avoid the deeper feelings and outwardly right you might have looked at I had friend groups I was busy you know with professional obligations personal I say all that to say if you would have maybe gazed upon my life and this is what was so confusing as my dark night was evolving I was checking so many boxes that I was taught would Mm. result in me feeling this concept that I never really felt until I began to heal which is fulfillment connection Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling any of that so it wasn't really you know what I mean translating so I looked busy. I looked like I had friends and maybe one would even say connections and support. But inside, you know, speaking very honestly, I was so lonely. So the choice to then make my life appear lonely. So I did just like you. I began to permit, as I call it. I began to really not have energy and really finally be able to say, I don't know. Right. And so while then I was externally appearing lonely, the feeling I was having was the same I've lived with. And now I had to learn how to live with those deeper things. I had to allow them to come to the surface, right? And learn what that meant and then see my life through it. 
Mm, yeah, I think a lot of us are there or have been there. And that really is what like sharing these types of stories and these moments in our lives is what really creates community and this extension of hope, I would even say that we don't have to stay in these traumatic points in our lives, you know, like we don't have to stay there. And I know that there are some privileges that come along with being able to say that. But I know just from my also from my personal experience that, you know, I was set up to fail on a lot of different levels. And I chose to do things differently in my life. I chose to love differently. I chose to be a different type of parent to my daughters. There was just certain decisions that were placed upon me that I had to pick. I mean, I could go on and on about that, mm-hmm. but I just want people to know, you know, that there is choice. There may not always be comfortable choices. There may not always be the answer that we're looking for, but there is a choice to get curious. There is a choice to lean into joy. There is choice there. So as we shift a little bit, I want to talk about, you know, your self-care as community care and you as a healer and a doctor and a giver to, you know, clients and your community. How do you fill up yourself so that you show up in your work and in your life, you know, as a partner and a friend as your fullest and truest self? Yeah, that to me is a daily intentional. I love that you said choice, Alex. I'm going on and on. If my whole goal here is to empower, very similar to you, individuals just to understand that they do have a choice, right? There might be certain things outside that are not directly changeable in this moment, but we do we have so many choices. And I think it's so important to find those choices. And what I have to remind myself every day to be intentional about the choice that I make for me, because it's not, you know, I'm still relearning those patterns. Like I described earlier, I was a human who put everyone else and their needs before myself. So what that means now is in the mornings, you know, I find it's the, my morning hours are the most open for me to, you know, begin to create time for myself. Mm-hmm. So I develop, and this is, if you would have spoken to me and even my dad now, if you were to ask him how, what my relationship with mornings is, I never liked mornings. I, I hate <laughs> it morning. So again, this is coming from someone who had to cultivate, you know, a morning wake up time that would allow me to carve out hours. I share that because this didn't happen overnight. You know, and I don't know a lot of us are not morning people. So for me, it was morning and it meant gradually carving out hours in the morning that I could then commit to small promises. And I started small. So first it began with the daily journaling practice and then it turned to a daily consciousness or meditation practice. And then it turned to breath work on top of it. So now when I say I have to be intentional daily, I still have those old habits, especially when two things are stirring in my world. When I have a lot going on professionally, which I do, I'm in the middle of writing a book, I have an endless to-do list. That lurks over me. I wake up and my choice is, do I honor these hours that I've set aside for myself or do I go get started on my to-do list? Mm. And that's a difficult choice for me still to make because the old part of me would have just went to that to-do list and just activated. I love checking boxes off. Yeah. Same thing personally. I'm now in the period of reconnecting with my family. So now I'm on the other side of that break. And now I'm trying to navigate right? Especially when things are going on in my immediate family unit that I'm aware of, which is very much happening now. Now, when other people, when people in my personal life need me, or I perceive they need me, it's harder 
again, for me to make those choices to honor myself first. But I couldn't agree with you more. Unless we fill up our own cup, unless we take care of ourselves, we can't, we don't have the resources to show up for other people. And another nasty byproduct happens somewhere down the line. If we continuously put other people first, what we tend to do is we tend to get mad at them. Mm. We tend to become resentful, right? At everyone else who, and I know I did, of everyone else who needs of me. And we can even outwardly be directively, you know, resentful to these people damaging these relationships before we look inward and say, well, wait Mm. a minute. You know, and for me, I had to own that all of the choices that I made to pick show up for whomever, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to say, no, Nicole, you made those choices along the way. You didn't honor what you knew your need to be in that moment in favor of someone else. So I can't get mad at that someone else. Are you a social drinker? Do you enjoy wine down Wednesdays with your girlfriends on Zoom after work? Did you have a little bit too much to drink once and woke up with a hangover? Well, Goody's Hangover is more than the natural supplements you've seen before for treating hangovers. With a history rooted in analgesics and putting an end to tough pain, Goody's Hangover has the right formula to stop pain fast and provide a boost of alertness. Goody's Hangover Powder temporarily relieves minor aches and pains due to hangover, headaches, or muscle aches. It also helps restore mental alertness when experiencing fatigue or drowsiness associated with a hangover. It's also easy to use. You can toss it back or mix it with water or any other non-alcoholic beverage of your choice. Goodies understands that you can't afford to let a hangover slow you down. And for a hangover that is real tough, you need real medicine. Now you can have a fun night on Zoom with your girls without worrying about the next morning. Goodies hangovers. Real medicine for real hangovers. Fast relief with a boost of alertness. I want to, oh my goodness. So before we wrap up, I want to talk about honoring our own boundaries, right? And forgiveness of self and others, because it's really, I think it's really interesting and powerful that you've reconnected with your family. You've talked so much about setting that boundary and now to see that you are deciding to reconnect and how boundaries therefore are flexible, which is a beautiful thing. Boundaries are not barriers, as one of my dear spiritual Mm -hmm. friends say. So that boundaries are flexible. So right now your boundary has been, is flexible and there's this forgiveness happening. There's this deeper understanding maybe happening. So can we talk a little bit about boundaries and how they work for you personally and what the journey through forgiveness has looked like as you reconnect with your family? Yeah, absolutely. So I distinguish boundaries into two really, again, very general categories. And we have boundaries or limits that I set. And this is, again, an intentional practice daily, right? Because there's a lot of times where there's old habits pulling, Mm -hmm. right? So I set boundaries around maybe some of this lifestyle, what time I go to bed, what time I wake up, making sure that I do at least leave the choice open for all of, you know, the good things that I can be doing, the the rest that I can get, this morning routine. I still have choice, right, that next morning of whether or not I activate, but I keep those boundaries within myself. I keep my own emotional boundaries, meaning I check in with myself emotionally Mm -hmm. and I allow the resources that I feel I have or I don't have in that given moment to also inform the choices in how I show up. Meaning if I'm exhausted, maybe I'm going through my own emotional, you know, whatever happenings in the moment and a friend needs me. I don't know how available I can fully emotionally be for that friend in that moment if I have no resources, right? So that's an important check-in. 
Meaning maybe I asked the friend, whomever that is, if we could put a pin in that conversation and I can talk to them the following day when I have more resources available. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's my, that's this whole process of checking in with myself, checking on myself spiritually, right? Am I honoring my spiritual limit or am I walking out of alignment? Am I entering into situations, experiences where I'm not honoring my spiritual essence? So boundaries begin with self and then they extend outward the limit, right? How am I showing up? Do I have limits? Am I having limits as to how I'm willing to show up in these relationships for other people? Mm-hmm. Can I say no? This is what a lot of us struggle to do. I know I do. Can I say no when I just can't or I don't want to for any reason? So what we find usually, again, let's bring this all full circle. So beautifully right. based on those earliest relationships, a lot of us engage in what I call is I term it self-betrayal, which really just means we didn't honor. We weren't taught how to honor our needs in those areas. We showed up, right? Honoring other things, typically outside of ourselves in that moment. So we have to, you know, like I said, we go, we go back, we understand that these are the ways and we, I call it self-betrayal, which just means we weren't in alignment. Mm -hmm. And as, like I said, we begin to enter into alignment, what that does mean is shifting and changing boundaries. And it also is the process of Mm self-compassion, right? We have to forgive ourselves to some extent for showing up in ways that didn't benefit us, understanding that that's what we were taught, that we were very much limited. And then we can extend that same compassion to other people. We can understand, and I think this is one of the biggest gifts of healing, Mm. we can begin to understand those around us, those with whom we're in relationship, those that are struggling with boundaries themselves. We can understand that they are the product of their conditioning as well. So as I went through my own healing, I had a lot of self, you know, compassion, self-forgiveness, and even in in real time, there are still times and moments where I go back into those conditioned patterns and I'm snippy with my partner, right? And I act in ways that I don't necessarily want to continue to show up acting in. And I do. And in those moments, I extend myself compassion because I can have understanding. I can still be very sorry and I can be sorry and I can say, you know what? That was a moment where I indulged that old pattern, where I felt really unsafe, where I went into nervous system overdrive or whatever it is. And I'm sorry. And I'm gaining awareness to change. And then we can do that with other people. So what I then began to do is extend that outward, began mm-hmm. to understand all of the limits that my family, my caregivers, my sister, my brother, my community had, right? Based on their own conditioning. And when we do that, we can do what I call depersonalize, right? We can understand that there are so many factors orbiting around any human in any given moment that are influencing their choices that aren't necessarily only related to us. In childhood, we believe that to be true because we don't have the cognitive ability to say, you know what, when mom or dad came home in a, in a bad mood, it was because of work and it wasn't because of me. As a child, we can only understand it as being a result of me. As an right. adult, right. right, we still might not like how maybe this is now our partner or our friend or our roommate and this is where and comes into play i can accept someone and their limitations based on their condition patterns and i can still nav- have a choice there's that word again in how i navigate a relationship with them opening up the possibility that it might mean i don't enter into a relationship with them mm-hmm. understanding and forgiveness this is an important point i like to make doesn't mean we become boundaryless and open ourselves up for violation or abuse it just allows us to see a person kind of at their level of awareness and conditioning and then to use that to take care of ourselves and to meet our needs in the way we do. 
So before we go, I would love to know how you are learning to stand in your power these days and how you are continuing to encourage others to find their truest self and voice in their healing work. I attempt every choice Every moment where my choice is, right, to speak a truth that's meaningful to me, to share what my experience was. Emotionally, this is where it's really challenging for me, Alex, to say, I'm feeling this right now, mm -hmm. especially when I see other people around me not feeling that. My partner's mm -hmm. a great practice for me. When I tell you, Alex, I couldn't have picked a, a more opposite, as a lot of us do, partner in many <laughs> ways. I couldn't have. Um, we live the same moment, and she's laughing, and I could be devastated. I mean, it's really unreal how opposite emotionally that's really challenging for me so anytime I make a choice to honor what my truth is whether it's because I state my belief in that moment or my perception and especially my feelings that to me right is working toward that is walking into that power is saying this is my story this is what resonates for me and hoping to instill you know the, to empower others to do the same and also to empower others to be able to decide confidently what it is that resonates for them and what it isn't because there's a lot to my story and when i share it you might not resonate with all of it mm -hmm. so it might be a part of it there might be one message in one you know statement that i make that's for you and maybe the rest of it isn't for you mm -hmm. and what my goal is to empower the human you know on the receiving end of the message to find that resonance and to confidently pick the pieces that work for their journey. What I'm not a fan of is outsourcing any or is of the belief that there's one universal size all fits all model that's going to work for every human. It isn't. That's why a lot of us have right these conditioned patterns because it's really hard to be here and to express ourselves authentically when those around us aren't doing the same. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.